This is episode number 174, Why We Connect with Nature, with Thomas Rosenberg. Welcome. My name is Oleg Lohid, and this is the Overcoming Odds Podcast, where you get a glimpse into the stories of individuals who have overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in achieving their personal success. This podcast was built by you and for you to help you overcome adversity, suffering, and struggle in reaching your false potential. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to invite all of our listeners to our upcoming weekly conversation called Courageous Conversations. This is something that we started a few months ago with the intention of bringing our community members even closer, as well as creating a space where each and every single one of us can better embrace and understand the journeys that we take within this life. If you would like to know more details about how you can join any of these upcoming calls, consider leaving us a message through our website at overcomingodds.today to which we respond with all the details about how you can become a part of this community. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring stories. Now, let's get back to the show. Thomas, welcome to the show. Thank you, Oleg. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. Thank you for having an episode prior to this episode with me and or what could have been one, let's put it that way. Mm-hmm. Knowing, knowing the conversations that, that you and I have, they have a life of, it, of their own and the duration is something that I just kind of said to myself, hey, why am I even trying to control this? <laughs> just, <laughs> just let it be what it's supposed to be. And for those of you that are tuning in, we're talking about the forest fires that um, you guys are experiencing right now. And pro- probably, correct me if I'm wrong, but experience it every year almost, right? So fire it. is native to the Western U.S. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that for over the last hundred years, there's been a lot of fire suppression. Mm. And so as what happened in the last couple of weeks, we had dry lightning. And that's how most of these fires began. So with dry lightning fires begin and that burns and but you know that's been part of the ecosystem forever mm-hmm. with the suppression and with people living in close proximity in you know what previously were very remote or or wild areas is also causes additional challenges. how do you how do you prepare for those seasons considering that you don't really know when it's going to happen or if it's going to happen is that something that you just keep in the back of your mind every year as far as what, and then from there, what, I mean, what do you personally do to hopefully not get caught in it? Well, I, we, we live uh, in a more, it's a residential neighborhood of the city. So it's, it's not, oh, we do have some green, but we're not in near open space or forest. That's still a few minutes drive from us. Mm-hmm. And so, but at the same time, you know, what's happened over the last, I'd say 20 years is that 
there used to be a fire season. And typically it started in August and ran until the rains ran. So it was like four months long. Mm -hmm. September was always the worst because everything that was the hottest time of the year, that was whenever that was the longest time since the rains, everything was driest. Now, uh, I'd say in the last five years, especially since some of the Tubbs fire and some of the other big ones that have occurred here in Northern California, the, I've read repeatedly that the firefighters are saying fire season is year round here now. Mm. There is no, you know, we were fortunate enough uh, last year to have quite a bit of rain, but this year back into a drought. Mm -hmm. So everything is already stressed and dry and then dry lightning and in some cases some of the forest areas that are burning right now with the largest fires they've never burned wow. in recorded history mm -hmm. so what's that going to be like mm -hmm. you know? mm -hmm. i was just talking to a friend of mine they live in california in glendale Around okay. that, I think yeah, that, that area yeah. mm -hmm. and her and I were talking about uh, insurance and how that impacts the insurance considering that fires may or may not happen and how once again help me fill in the blanks here because I don't live in that exact situation but how does that impact the insurance that you guys have like are you protected against the fires or because they happen so frequent and can last however long the insurance companies say like oh tough luck you're on your own exactly well that's becoming an increasing issue uh you know here the state took over earthquake so this is fire and earthquakes you know talking with my parents yesterday they were wondering when we were going to move back to the east coast because for them fire and earthquakes are scary and i said like well okay fires and earthquakes versus tornadoes and hurricanes <laughs> pick, pick your battle <laughs> you know and and earthquakes terrify my father they don't you know i'm just like okay earthquake right you know it, it's a little unnerving but i haven't been really scared by an earthquake fire is a little bit more scary mm -hmm. and i certainly feel the in the, the because we don't have air conditioning or the bay is our air conditioner so not being able to open windows not being able to go outside to spend time mm. outside comfortably i'm definitely feeling that claustrophobia after this really bad air um but you know just in terms of the insurance insurance is really it's a hedging exercise so how you know, if there is greater risk and greater chance that you're going to need to be paid out to mm -hmm. by the insurance company, then that means that their overall risk profile is going to increase. And mm -hmm. if you're not willing to pay a certain level of a premium, that's going to be a problem. So that's what keeps happening. And so there are certain places at the urban, um, forest interface that where people have developed, you know, whether it was paradise, for example, or even Santa Clarita down in Southern California, which is very much cut out of the forest. Um, Castaic 
right? All of these towns are really close to open areas and where it burns easily. Mm -hmm. And that's, you're increasing your risk. You hmm. know, if you're, if you're uh, just as you might be, if uh, you put a house on top of a bluff near the ocean and there was an earthquake and the bluff fell away. Mm. That's happened in a lot of places along the coast. Man, these are very, very interesting, but yet intense experiences to learn about. Spe speaking of earthquakes and not to completely diverge from the topic that, <laughs> that you and I chose for today, but I'm assuming you experienced it. Have you seen it? Like, what does that look like as far as the actual... What, an earthquake? Yeah. I've never seen one. I've only seen it in movies and those are... I would... I'm making an assumption, but I'm going to say that those are drastically um, not exactly what happens. And I'm talking like the planet in the films, the planet literally splits and, you know, you got to, and then there's always that one person that has to jump from one side to the other. The other yes. Slightly unrealistic scenario, but. <laughs> well, it depends, I guess, on where you are. I mean, look at the Rift Valley, you know, in Africa, right? That's basically tectonic movement and that's splitting apart the earth there. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's more than one kind of earthquake. Uh, well, I won't say that. There's more than one kind of seismic movement. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, I'm not a seismologist, but, you know, you can have one, you can have an earthquake because the plates slide against the uh, laterally, mm -hmm. right? Um, you can have ones that do this, right? That move up and down. Mm. And so, you know, it just depends on, on where you are, like the San Andreas fault is basically the North American plate and, and the Pacific plate they're moving. So, so the San Andreas, so the, the Pacific side is moving northward roughly. Mm -hmm. And, you know, so just, you can see that line, actually, if you look at the map and you know what you're looking for, you can actually see the fault from LA all the way up to past San Francisco. Wow. It's, it's, it's um, it pokes, it's, you know, it pokes above water every so often, but you can see it, you know, like Tomales Bay. Mm -hmm. Well, the left side of Tomales Bay, there's a spit. That spit is entirely west of Andreas fault. Mm -hmm. Just one of those things, but it's you know. So the earthquake feels like. So it depends again on where it is and what you're standing on in the moment. So mm -hmm. if you're on bedrock, it's going to feel like a really big truck is bumping into your house. <laughs> um, and you know if you're on infill. You know, very you know, sand or that you get what's known as liquefaction because it basically turns to liquid, and that probably would be the scariest. Wow. Because now, there's no there's no sense of stability. Mm -hmm. This might be a silly question, but does it ever close? Once it opens, does it ever you know come back together? Well, so, so, like so again, it depends if it opened in the first place. So I, I, I don't know to whether, so if it's- Oh, open, so it doesn't open all the time. No, no, it may just slip. It may just- Oh, okay, okay. Mm -hmm. Versus, you know, or one goes higher than the other. Got it, 
or you know so there, there's more than there's more than one way i don't know how many mm -hmm. different types of of faults they are there are but uh, how they move in relationship you know the different sides move um, would affect like what happens mm -hmm. so um if you like in the rift valley right that's constantly opening because the plates are moving apart mm -hmm. iceland exists because of the the seismic activity along the mid-atlantic trench hmm. so it just depends on where you are on the planet and what's happening that's all really fascinating because i had it, clearly this was a misconception I had. I always thought that it always opened, but in reality, just the way that you described it, as far as one may shift up, the other one may shift down is also a possibility. And it would make sense. I mean, it makes sense why certain things kind of are shaped the way that they are mm -hmm. um, as far as the landscape goes. So that's a really interesting point. And I think it's actually a no better transition than that to go straight into the nature part and considering the, picture that you have in the background once again mm -hmm. i'm going to assume that that is not california i honestly don't know where it is it was really <laughs> a lovely top photo that i came across and i had to grab it <laughs> it looks pretty amazing and that's i think that's one of the beauties at least for me of nature mm -hmm. is that it's the simple things like that the landscape and the trees that have so much so much to offer um, as far as beauty and everything. And it really just, in my opinion, it's all about what's the lens that you choose to look at it through. Mm -hmm. In your case, in your experience, why is it important for you to reconnect with nature? For me personally, what's really important is feeling held by something larger and quite literally being held by the planet, something larger. Uh, it is calming. I find it soothing. Um, I, for me, it's like a meditation, just being able to sit there, you know, in, or walk, quietly in the woods, listening to bird song, listening to the wind in the trees, uh, the different smells. There's something very soothing about mm -hmm. that simplicity. Connecting to nature also reconnects us to really where we came from and what we are part of. And it's easy to forget that in our modern lives which we assume live within four walls, mm. you know, drive on rubber tires in a metal box, right? And mm -hmm. how often are we really reconnecting? And so when we reconnect to that, we actually are able to reconnect to the larger energy within the universe that moves. Mm -hmm. And that's where I believe the power lies. And I believe that that's also what we're yearning for because we be, we're able to reconnect to something that we've forgotten about in ourselves. And that makes it easier to reconnect to each other. That's really interesting. I'm going to assume that you weren't always like that. I could be wrong. And if not, what changed? What changed in you? 
wanting to kind of get back to the simple things in life. And that's to reconnect with nature and understand that it's just, that's the thing that gives you more peace and, and hope and whatever else that you look for. So I grew up in the woods. And so my childhood was making forts in, in, with shrubs and, <laughs> and uh, you know, growing up, you know, in a rural area, that was really easy. Of course, you know, that's also not the signal that we get from society. Mm -hmm. And we're taught as males to show up a certain way. We're expected by family to have perhaps a certain profession or to get a certain education or a certain level of education. And that pulls us away. And at the same time, I always knew all the way through when I needed to calm down, just spending time in nature. Mm -hmm. So yes, that could have, sometimes that was hiking, you know, with friends or family. Sometimes that was just me going by myself, but that's where I could calm down, where I could get perspective and I could, get out of my head, basically, mm -hmm. you know, in this society, we grow up and we stay in our head. Mm -hmm. And as a leadership transformation coach, what I help my clients do is grow back down so that they can really reconnect with the rest of themselves and with the body, with the greater body, the mm -hmm. earth, mm -hmm. nature, mm -hmm. whether that's specific, you know, like literally going outside and, and, communing or more metaphoric and, and a way of practice. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I wish I would have done more when I was younger. And I know that I still can because, well, I'm assuming that I have some time left. Who knows, right? <laughs> when, it, when it comes to that part, but going out there and building forts that I don't know why, but that was always a dream of mine. It's just, it never made it happen. But whenever I saw it in movies or I had couple of friends that literally had built forts in their backyard mm -hmm. and I just thought that that was the coolest thing ever just walking into that I was more interested by that than any other snack or any other toy that yeah. the parents might have purchased for us at the time and so just I don't know what the connection was but I think it was partially maybe because of the fact that it's not something that you see as common structure common behavior I mean the whole concept of person having a fort, I can only name two out of the hundreds of people that I met. And yet <laughs> everyone had the capability to build one mm -hmm. in their backyard. Right. So it, it was it, interesting. It, mm -hmm. It's a sense of joy, right? I mean, I think it, there's, there's something about creating, letting the imagination go and yeah. just really having fun. And also, I mean, it's a way of learning. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. How do things work? How can I make things happen? Mm -hmm. What can I do? Um, what happens when I do something? You know, there's just, there's a lot of curiosity in it and there's also a lot of creativity and 
I think that's the biggest joy. It's just like, mm-hmm. okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What can I create out of this? And the other thing that I think is beautiful about creating certain things in nature is, I mean, talking even about bonfires and whatever else is there is no instruction manual. There could be one, you could find one, but it's so much of that process. At least my experience has been, it's about, okay, here are the resources, mm-hmm. which is, they're literally unlimited. I mean, a tree can serve you in so many different ways. Right. And just looking at those things and trying to understand, okay, what can I piece together out of all the things surrounding me right now? And what can I create mm-hmm. instead of following, let's say a traditional manual of here's a table, here's the Ikea instruction list, and then just do X, Y, and Z and you put it together. Right. And yeah. I struggled with that as well. Putting those things together, I will admit, because, because it is so much step, 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 step. Mm-hmm. I love to just get lost and then manifest whatever it is that whatever table I envision, that's the thing I would like to manifest the, manifest the most rather than having a specific set of steps in order for me to follow. Yes. Well, and the good thing is that nature doesn't require an Alan Grinch. <laughs> <laughs> it does not. <laughs> but, but in all seriousness, you know, this creativity, this curiosity, I feel is almost hardwired in us. Because if we think back 5,000 years, 10,000 years, what we saw around us and how we started playing as kids, creating shelter for ourselves, creating a sense of protection, because that's really what a fort is all about. Yeah. How do I protect myself? Mm -hmm. How do I create a space where I can live? Right? Somebody's a niche that allows me to sleep comfortably at night Mm -hmm. and perhaps cook some food over a fire. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why camping is also appeals to so many Mm -hmm. for the same reason, right? There's something in it for us that takes us back to those times ancestrally Mm -hmm. that we carry with us. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it's that thing also in regard to the fires. I mean, I, I remember stories being told my, by my grandpa how he would sit around a campfire and tell some of these stories that yep. we probably don't get a chance to do as much anymore because, I mean, let's face it, even the whole concept of having a campfire, there's so many regulations you have to go through just on an individual house by house basis where most people just are not going to take the time Mm -hmm. to do that. So unless you simplify that process and then you somehow incentivize it and present the campfire as an opportunity to connect, to deepen a relationship and all these things. Mm -hmm. But in my experience, that has not been the terminology that's used around Mm -hmm. those activities. So it's all about somehow incorporating different elements from our past and our history and bringing them back and understanding that, Hey, this is not the only way to connect, but it's one way. And I will also say this, and I was actually asking my uncle this a couple of months ago, and I'd love to hear your perspective on it as well. But I get fascinated by just watching fire. Why is that? Why is that? Do do you experience the same thing? Like, why is it that I can sit there, not say a word and look at the fire for I mean, probably 12, 14 hours straight, as long as I'm awake. 
true story. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm, I'm laughing with you, not yeah, at you. But it's, I think that's something that's also fascinating for us, just to see that transformation. I think there's something alchemical about it. And as you were sharing, right, sitting around a campfire sharing stories, we think back to oral histories. There is so much there. And a lot of that storytelling has been lost in our culture. Mm -hmm. And there are ways to bring that back. So it could be on the floor of the living room, just sharing stories mm -hmm. one evening as a family, as, a, as, as friends, as a neighborhood. It could be, right, but all, so there, there's that, but also just, there's something about how the fire changes. Like there's something magical about the energy that's released. Mm -hmm the crackles, the colors, what, like you said earlier, there's so many ways a tree can serve. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, that could be a table, that could be a piece of firewood, that could be mm -hmm. a chair, that could be a door. There's so many ways. Mm -hmm. And it could be food for so that other plants are able to thrive animals mm -hmm. are able to thrive there's so many ways that a tree can serve us in terms of biodiversity in terms mm -hmm. of beauty and so that fire though is is i think it's the center point i think even i, I think that's also it's not just a dimness but i think that's also part of why we like candles it's the same thing there's something about having that live flame that brings us back to something primal. I never thought about it that way, but I could definitely see the connection of why that would be true. And it changes the atmosphere. Mm -hmm. You know, try telling stories around the dark without a fire. Mm -hmm. Now tell stories around the fire. Yeah. Why do you think that art or that form of storytelling has been lost? maybe not lost, but took a different shape from what it used to be. I think certainly the advent of cities is part of it. I think there's also been a, a strong push towards, whereas we used to live more as a clan, we now live, we've been living for the last, at least in this country, as nuclear families only. And you can't really have a campfire in an apartment building. <laughs> I haven't so, figured that one out just yet. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, mean, you know, I think this is also why we grill, right? You know, I mean, but it's, that's not, that's not the same thing. You can't, you know, pop open a charcoal grill in the middle of a, an mm -hmm. apartment. Mm -hmm. uh, so, it's, but I do think that, you know, that's why places, houses, apartments are built with fireplaces because there's something 
to sit around the hearth speaks mm -hmm. to something again very primal in us mm -hmm. so but it's it's this separation that we keep moving we keep separating ourselves from nature even and that causes us to forget our connection to it so if you look at all of the systems whether it's our food system or other structures we keep moving away from nature and we're that is causing us problems whether it's the pandemic because zoonotic diseases get released when there is a, a great loss of biodiversity. Mm -hmm. uh, so greater biodiversity would have significantly reduced the chance of, of a pandemic like COVID-19 becoming an issue or Zika or Ebola. So there's, there's a lot of different issues, I think, that start being pulled in, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said within what you just said about disconnecting from different elements of nature and where the world is heading, at least my perception of it right now, is that it's definitely heading in that direction. I mean, you, you think about how cities are being built. Yes, we'll plant one to two trees in the middle of six or 17 different apartments, but is that really enough? And mm -hmm. are those trees being cared for? You know, someone actually watering the trees or is that just kind of for the show mm -hmm. to, um, to show perspective residents that, oh, look, we have a garden. It's not active by any means, <laughs> but we do have two, a couple of trees. So I, I think there's a lot to be said about it. And also just, um, I think the other thing that I've learned throughout life is this. It's so much more, at least in my opinion, about questioning on an individual level. How can I reconnect? What can I do instead of trying to figure out these, I think, ultimate ways of how can we solve it for everyone? Because, mm -hmm. I mean, in reality, we are diverse and right. we are different. And I think that's beautiful that we, we are di different in mm -hmm. different ways. Um, my experience has been difference is not really embraced. That too. You know? And so yeah. because it's different, it's something that is not really met with a welcoming environment mm -hmm. and open arms. Difference yeah. means it's something that you got to fear. Yep. And that's also, unfortunately, hardwired into us. Mm -hmm. Like, how do I know you're not an enemy? Mm -hmm. And how do we learn to honor and recognize that someone has a different way of doing things and that can teach us something? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know, the, um, but just going back to differences and even to the point of discrimination, you look at, you know, in terms of urban canopy, the places that have, the neighborhoods that have the most crime tend to be the, the tre most treeless. Hmm. So the more trees, the calmer the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. One, it, you know, it, it calms people because there really is that need 
to be closer to nature. And there's a tremendous amount that you can, you know, just touching a tree, putting your hand against it, leaning against it can do, it can be a really interesting experience for everybody, but it slows people down and there's, uh, there's less crime typically. Mm-hmm. So how, you know, like what would it be like if all of the cities offered more canopy in a way that didn't cause problems with cables, right? Cause you can also drive down probably any street with trees and see problems <laughs> with, you know, branches going through or on top of power lines. Mm-hmm. I never thought about it that way, but that's a really interesting thing to observe is what difference would that, would that make mm-hmm. if that was implemented? The other thing in regard to the differences is, and this goes back to conditioning, but I fear spiders. Mm-hmm. Now I've never seen a spider kill anyone besides a movie where I think the spider was a hundred times bigger than a human being, which I still haven't seen that version live yet. So I'm, I'm going to assume it's not ultimately true, but you know, it, it is about the fact that, and I just get curious as well about all the other species, the animals, insects, and everything else that's alive that I haven't seen yet. And yet due to the difference in the texture and the size and whatever else, there's that fear that gets created when in reality, some of the things, many of the things are not there to harm you by any means. Spiders are the same exact way. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I see them every day and they'll just hang out there and I don't think they're plotting anything against me, <laughs> at least not that I know of, yeah. but it's that same exact thing. It's the conditioning, snakes mm-hmm. and spiders and whatever else. It's we, We've been conditioned, <clears throat> some of us have at least, to fear them yep. at all costs. Mm-hmm. Yes. And that's unfortunate because I think it creates <clears throat> a chain of events. Mm-hmm. Well, if you fear those two things, then what else can you fear? Or what else should you fear? Should you fear anything that's twice your size? Should you fear anything that looks different? And then that goes into the human interactions. Mm-hmm. Oh, this person looks different or this person does this differently. I must fear them. They, might, they must somehow be taking away an opportunity from me. Mm-hmm. Yep. They look different. They smell different. They speak differently. They, yeah. It, it really is interesting. I think the society that we've built and continue to build around some of these concepts and the systems that we create. And I know that I remember the conversation you and I had last time about the different systems and ways to change them. Mm-hmm. But having lived the experience that you have, where do you think one can start? I mean, obviously it varies, but where can one start in regard to this concept of reconnecting to nature, reconnecting to self? What have you learned through the different conversations Mm -hmm. and people that you've worked with? And it may vary because it's probably a case by case basis, right? Well, there's a couple of there's a couple of ways. One is even if you're in a super urban area, I'm imagining that there's a tree nearby. Um, it could be potted, it could be a street tree. Uh, there might be a park. 
And so just spending time there, just sitting and observing, like what happens? What's mm -hmm. going on with that tree? Are there birds nesting in it? Squirrels? Uh, is it a favorite tree for crows or pigeons or, or other birds? Um, what grows around it? Why? You know, is there watering? Or is it, has it dug a deep enough root to where it actually can reach groundwater? And just observing, like, what's the bark? What do, have people carved their initials into it? Just observing that and, mm -hmm. and even spending some time just leaning against it. I mean, if you want to, you know, give it a hug, you can give it a hug, but you could also just lean your back against it. Just notice, like, can you feel those roots giving you support? Mm. What does that feel like? What do you notice in your body? What sensations? What is there a change in temperature or pressure? Uh, is there movement that you notice? Does something relax that you didn't know you were holding? Mm -hmm. Not that there's a right or wrong. It's just observing that. Mm -hmm. Right. That's how I would start with the nature connection. Mm -hmm. Just observing. Like, can you, how many different types of bird songs can you notice outside your, your abode, your home? You only hear one type of bird, you know, is it crows or pigeons, for example, or do you hear many different types of birds? And maybe it depends on the time of day mm -hmm. or the time of year. Mm -hmm. And just starting to observe that. Don't, you know, again, no right or wrong, just observation. Mm -hmm. And so that's how I would start with that. And then the terms of self-awareness. The easiest thing, because it's always there for us, is to start with the breath. And so if you were just to put your hand on your belly and just notice what happens when you slow down and take a couple deep breaths. What pressure, or, you know, are there changes? What, what sensations arise? Is there changes in pressure or, or temperature, movement? Like what else do you notice besides your belly moving up and down? Just seeing what happens. Taking that a couple steps further, you can start looking at your, the sense of what you're practicing. What are your habits? Where do you usually go when you feel stressed like what what are your typical responses to that or how do you go through your day are you giving mm -hmm. yourself a chance to breathe have you given yourself a chance to look out and spend i don't know 15 seconds looking at a tree just absorbing the green leaves or the shape of it or whatever stillness. it strikes the stillness, mm -hmm. yeah. And mm -hmm. just taking time for that and asking yourself the question, what are you practicing and for the sake of what? Mm -hmm. It's really interesting. I mean, that goes back to intention, intention mm -hmm. and intention. Yep. Which I don't know how long it took me, but it definitely was a learned skill. I don't believe I woke up with it <laughs> one day and I might have, that might've happened as far as the seeds, 
but mm -hmm. to actually put it into practice and make it part of everyday life and everyday habits. It took however long. Um, I don't want to put a time frame on it because for every person, it could be different. Right. Some may take a week, others may take a year, others may I, take 20 years. I, I feel like it's a lifelong practice because yes, you can start and you can see and observe a tremendous amount. And the more you practice it, mm -hmm. the more skilled you become. Mm. And so you're refining, you're honing your awareness and your sensitivity. Mm -hmm. And so it's not a once and done thing. Oh, you know, I made it to the 5k mark. I've run my 5k. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't need to run. I don't need to jog anymore. And it's like, I'm in shape now. And it's just sort of saying, no, it's like, there's so much more to observe. And I feel that this is part of that curiosity, part of what we are born with, but society and family point us in other directions and foster other, other foci, other other places our attention need needs to be in air mm -hmm. mm -hmm. and that pulls us away and so we forget and so what we're doing as we go into this process is actually remembering something that's been buried mm. we're coming back to ourselves why do you think we forget this concept that learning doesn't stop I think there's a couple, well, two things. One, certainly I, I see in society that we assume that we reach a certain age, we've become adults, we know how the world works and we're done, mm -hmm. right? I don't need to know more, I can manage, I might be a parent, I'm an employee or I have my own business or uh, I'm doing things the way things need to be done. Never really realizing what we might be blind to, right? You don't always know what you don't know and you. If you're having, if it hasn't been pointed out, you might overlook something or you, know, mm -hmm. you might just not see it. And the other element too is I believe that, and again, this goes back to my prior comment, past a certain age, 25, 26, human development is not biologically determined. Mm -hmm. So for those of us who want to do that work, we have to consciously intentionally seek it and put our attention there. Mm -hmm. So it boils down more to the individual choice then. Mm -hmm. that one and, and being in an environment that supports that, that search. Mm -hmm. It's, I mean, you can do it alone and it's, that's just harder. <laughs> it, 100% agree. <laughs> we are, we are, we are pack animals. You know, we like, roaming in tribes and clans and, and, and just being able to manage all of those. Now, if you have a close knit network of support with rigor, they can provide some really insightful feedback for you saying, mm -hmm. Oh, I'm noticing you're showing up differently because of this. Mm -hmm. Notice when you did this or 
this is how you did this differently this time. You didn't respond you, the way you've done in the past. Mm -hmm. And that can be really insightful. So mm -hmm. there's lots to play with there. Mm -hmm. Thomas, what's the best way that people can connect with you? Do you have anything that's coming up as part of your coaching programs or anything like that, that people can be a part of? Uh, I'm in the process of developing some, so I don't have anything immediately on the horizon. Uh, however, they can reach me at uh, thomas at regenerate.coach. That's my email. They can check out my website, regenerate.coach. And uh, I'm on Regenerate uh, Coaching is on LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook. We'll make sure to include those in the show yep. notes and mm -hmm. different ways that people can connect with you. Yeah. Thank you all for choosing to tune in to today's episode. I hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. If you haven't done so already, consider subscribing to our future episodes so you can receive all of the latest content. Also, if you like what you heard on any of the previous episodes, consider leaving us a review on iTunes, Facebook, or Google so more people can hear these inspiring and courageous conversations. Once again, we thank you for listening and we'll look forward to having you next week.